Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Here he is punching some wood, which is a pox gimmick now. <laughs> what action going back and forth? Got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U, it ends with an A. There's a meal initial there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other lads at the Cultaholic HQ. Spend their weekends asking Kane Velasquez, can he beat Brock Lesnar? We are here via our Ikeprow Power DeLorean asking ourselves, can the Bushwhackers get a tag team championship match in the 90s? Maybe we'll find out. Who be we? Ivy Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell, joined Avec the Bear in the Big Blue Bar Cage, the head pen of Cultaholic, who is pencil is non-permitted, doesn't need a pencil, gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. Hello, hello. I apologise, because if I sound slightly different, it is because when you wear that shirt, Justin, I clip through the wall. Uh, it's uh, a bug which they're looking to fix in the next update of the Coltonic Classic Raw review. Uh, that we mm. blame a change in developers. Mm. I'm sure a patch could save it at this point. I need some dynamite. <laughs> I think that, yeah, something nuclear. How have you got on with 2K20? Uh, actually, I've been, I've been mostly glitch-free because I don't really play online. And Although I have noticed some things, like the... Uh, if you just like, if you walk near a ladder, the ladder vanishes, like 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 it, like it just fades out as those Thanos snap his fingers. <laughs> but I mean, I, I love, I like, like that. That to me sounds like the that sounds like uh, corporate shenanigans. <laughs> but but I have seen all the uh, you know the gifs and the videos of all the paranormal activity style rope shaking and wrestler twitching and all that stuff. It it is like one of those. Uh, Really creepy horror movies where people's like heads contort and their legs bend into odd shapes, and it's really. Do they have beta testers for this stuff? Clearly not. Clearly not. So the Dakota, I, I Dakota Kai made me laugh this week because Dakota Kai put out a tweet of herself walking backstage doing the broken leg walk that that 2K glitch <laughs> does. <laughs> It was the one, there was a, a video did the rounds of, of Dakota Kai and Ronda Rousey having a match. Ronda was clipping through the ropes. Dakota was, walk, was walking around in a crouched position. And so she tweeted out a video of herself backstage walking around in a crouched position. 
It was half walk like an Egyptian, half Basil faulty. <laughs> exactly. It's um, it was it's quite it is quite the time. I, they, we never had this problem with WWF WrestleMania Challenge, Justin. No, we did not. Because most because nobody had any finishing moves on that game. Not true. Not true. Andre did a bear hug. Ultimate Warrior oh, did a military oh, 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 slam. Oh, WrestleMania Challenge. I was thinking Steel Cage Challenge where everybody had the same move sets. Oh, no, no. WrestleMania Challenge, some of them had unique moves. Hogan had the leg drop. Uh, Ultimate Warrior had a military press. Incidentally, uh, Andre the Giant was so big, he couldn't climb the top rope. He did like a squash in the corner. And if he, and he couldn't get out of the ring because he was so big. So therefore, if you wanted to beat the Ultimate Warrior... Sorry, if you wanted to beat Andre the Giant mm-hmm. on the WrestleMania Challenge, you would military press him as the Ultimate Warrior out of the ring. He couldn't get back in the ring. <laughs> Actually, there was a way where you sort of grind up against the bottom of, of the ring and you jump over the top rope back in, even as Andre. Oh, okay. That's stuff for me to try over the weekend when I do my 24-hour stream of WrestleMania <laughs> Challenge for the NES. You know how to beat Hacksaw Jim Duggan, right? Uh, I don't know how to beat him, but I know he always ran at you with the clothesline. Hey, what do you do? You wait for him to get into the crouch and then just walk away. He just nope him the way Samoa Joe would. <laughs> he, 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 he hits the ropes, falls down, takes damage. Walks to the other side of the ring. Make him do it again until he's out of energy. <laughs> Talking of out of energy, uh, by this point, Adam Pacitti uh, is slowly running out of energy. And you can watch it live as Hell in a Smell 2 is currently live on the Cultaholic YouTube channel, providing nothing bad has happened between now and time of recording. Uh, I can tell you this story. We can't tell you this story until it's time sensitive. The reason I am late to recording the podcast with my erstwhile colleague, Justin Henry, is because mm-hmm. I was taking... I was taking receiverness receiving uh, an octopus for this hell in a smell punishment it arrived at the door i had to sign for it and everything i messaged tom 15 minutes before re- recording the show you're listening to right now and i said hey man i'm ready i'm ready whenever he's easy and he said he was a little bit late because he had to had to do he just said take delivery of an octopus and i just nodded because it's like that's seen it sounds normal to me now because i've worked for call to holic for almost two years <laughs> it's just standard behavior isn't it yeah, it's, just, it's just like right right if you want to know what the octopus is for you can watch adam pacitti now on the uh, live stream on the cult on youtube channel uh watch him suffer through hell in a smell too you are very welcome but anyway that's that's in the present we're currently in the past I could pro power DeLorean and all that for another episode of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review when we chronologically critique, thank you Jay Hunter from OSW Review, classic episodes of Monday Night Raw from day dot to day, oh God. Justin, where and when are we this week? Well, the where is, I wish it were anywhere else but this, not the show, but, but Raw itself. Because <laughs> this was a, this was the first episode of a new taping and this was kind of a dog it wasn't the greatest show, was it? <laughs> no, this is, but this was their idea of what a great show should be, which is not a good sign. It is Monday, April 11, 1994. This show aired either live or was taped earlier in the evening in a new venue, and actually a decent-looking one, the Memorial Auditorium in Utica, New York. I loved this venue. This was really nice, and it was bumping. <laughs> it was very WBF Superstars-esque. 
Do you want a little uh, around the houses of the wrestling world at this time? Sure, I would love that. Uh, a little look on Wrestling Observer. So there's a few events going on around and after the date of this week's Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Terry Gordy um, has had his first match back since going into a coma on a flight to Japan. It happened eight months before. Uh, it was. It took place. The match itself took place at the Dallas Sportatorium, uh, billed as the Freebirds reunion. Although uh, Buddy Roberts wasn't there and Michael Hayes didn't wrestle because uh, he's in a back brace. He's not in a great way. Uh, Terry Gordy yeah. did though. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer newsletter, sad to report that Gordy looked absolutely nothing like Terry Gordy in a tag match teaming with Jimmy Garvin, who, as those who saw Super Bowl could certainly believe, looked so different than numerous th- fans thought they had put a fake Jimmy Garvin in the ring. <laughs> wow. I, I do believe that because when Jimmy Garvin uh, went into the Hall of Fame with Michael Hayes a few years ago, I mean, Garvin in the 80s looked like, you know, like a, a rock and roll gigolo, the long hair, the hairy chest. You, you see how he was, was kind of like a semi-sleazy sex idol in a way. Now he looks at the guy from Office Space who introduced he jumped the conclusions, Matt. <laughs> he really does. He just I often think that he must just have mates who met him post Freebirds, who watched him at the Hall of Fame going, Mate, what are you doing? Where's this come from? <laughs> Remember in the world's end when a Simon Pegg is still Simon Pegg, but Nick Frost grew up? <laughs> that's Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin. Wow. That's, that's a nice shout. Uh, also, in this uh, particular time frame, we are getting buttock-clenchingly close to a deal between Hulk Hogan and WCW. A match could be likely between these two at the Great American Bash around the corner. Oh. Yeah, and pretty soon we'll be seeing the new generation hit WWE on the same night that Roddy Piper made events against Jerry Lawler. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Let them oh. sign all the old guys. We've got, as Krusty would say, <laughs> who we got? Lawler and Piper. Hey, hey, hey! Ray J. Johnson. Hey, hey, hey! So uh, let's crack on and over to Justin Henry with some tidbits and an entire run through of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, I won't go through all the tapings tidbits because there's some stuff from the next couple of weeks that I don't want to give away just yet. Oh, okay. But we do know that the 900 number is in line for the show where you, you get to choose a, the, the opponents for the Quebecers in the tag team title match. And your choices are rather threadbare. It's the Bushwhackers, Men on a Mission, and the Smoking Guns. <laughs> and actually on the West Coast feed, they had to put us had to put a crawl whenever the 900 number came up. Tell people not to call it because, well, the East Coast feed already decided who it was going to be. So, Oh, God, of <laughs> course they would have done. Whoops. How <laughs> about some dumbass in, like, Provo, Utah still called in anyway? There was um, there were a few people that got onto Cultaholic the day after, or literally hours after the... Uh, episode of Friday Night Smackdown on Fox because, you know, we were so quick off the mark. We had videos up like 20 minutes after of, of mm-hmm. some of the bits that happened and people were like, whoa, hang on! This hasn't finished yet! Yeah, there's a, there's a thing called a West Coast feed. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how time zones work. Yeah, so we, we, we learned a great lesson that day. No one's watching Smackdown at 5 o'clock on the West Coast and 
And based on last week's rains, no one's watching it at 8 o'clock on the East Coast either. <laughs> no, I don't think they're watching it. Well, by the looks of it, then half of them aren't watching it at all anymore. Well, well it is on... We're recording on a Friday, and it's going to be on cable tonight, SmackDown, so prepare for a big numerical hit in the ratings. Oh, jeez. But they, do you know what? They're throwing everything at this one. Hogan, Flair, Lesnar, Velasquez, Bobby Roode and Don I'm... Ziggler. Everything at this one. <laughs> Nicky I know. Cross versus Mandy Rose. I, I guess we'll just see what sticks then. Mm-hmm. A quick note before we go any further. I, I, I was just scrolling through these... Uh, his assorted WBF notes here from this um, issue of the Observer. He, he he apparently got a hold of the, Dave Meltzer got a hold of the format sheet for WrestleMania 10, and and he reveals how long each match was supposed to go. Okay. Because there was a little there was a little controversy about the ten man tag getting pulled off, and what is listed here is actually very interesting. He, he reveals that Brett and Owen went two minutes too long. But that was fine because the mixed tag right afterwards with Doink, Dink, Bam, Bam, and Luna went went two thirty short, so that kind of evened out. Savage and Crush went a minute fifteen long, but then Kai and Kai versus Alundra Blaze went three minutes short. Felt very long. Is it, even then, yes. <laughs> Mom, Mom versus Quebecers went forty five seconds short. <laughs> Since this year, Luger and Yoko, brace yourself, Tom, were scheduled for a 25-minute segment. Jeez. Meaning a 23-minute and 30-second match, including entrance and all that, which which he writes, which would have been unbearable since the ending went 1440, and that was almost all rest holds. So at this point, they should have been 12 minutes under in time and said they were lagging. Quake and Bomber scheduled for four minutes or a 230 match, but instead did 35 seconds. Ramon and Sean went 17 seconds long, so they were right on target. But yet they had to cancel the 10-man, which was only given six minutes. So even if they had gone on, the plan was to rush for a 4:30 match. And, 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 and brace yourself here. That was supposed to be Brett and Yoko about 18:30 for their title match, which praised the Lord only had only went for 10:36. Who was the practical joker that format Yoko's doing there? Had to work had to work for 42 minutes on one show. God, jeez, what were you? Th- what was wrestling thinking when you had like a ten-man tag in the bag? Might I add, full of people who could really go. <laughs> Thing is, like y- Yokozu, like uh, the world's changed so much now. Like Brock Lesnar doesn't go always go longer than three minutes. Probably doesn't need to. Uh, but mm-hmm. then, because there's part of the mystique of a Brock Lesnar, whether you love him or hate him, part of the mystique is the fact that he's not out there for very long. It's bang, in and out and go. And Yokozuna, like, should have been polishing off people dead quick. The the mm. I think, li- literally, the Yoko-Luga match would have had the same kind of impact that it did if you'd just gone straight to the last seven minutes. Pretty much, yeah. Ding, other, ding, other, ding. Other Boom, running forearm. That, that would have been... That would have gone down as a moment in WrestleMania if they'd just gone, ding, ding, Luger with the forearm. Straight in. But but if you have a fetish for nerve holds and you Google nerve hold on certain websites, that match comes up. Oh, jeez. Thought of some sticky hands thinking about the nerve hold match between Yoko and Luger. Jeez. But Meltzer also notes real fast that uh, the other changes that... Remember how Jenny Garf was supposed to do a skip but, but wouldn't do it? Hmm. Apparently, it was going to involve her, Rhonda Shear, and Shawn Michaels. So what in the hell could that have possibly been? 
Shawn Michaels being a lech, presumably, and she wasn't a fan of fan of that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Says Burt Reynolds substituted for her, which can you imagine Burt Reynolds substituting for her on like nine oh two one oh from Norris <laughs> Place or whatever show she was on again. It's like Jenny Garth in the longest yard. Jenny- well, I wonder whether then I wonder whether I'm thinking about that segment now and how mm-hmm. that segment was was it Sean and Rhonda and then Burt Reynolds walks in and then Rhonda's like, Oh my god, Burt Reynolds Yeah, and Sean gets east out of the picture. So maybe maybe would that story would have been maybe Sean and Jenny and then Rhonda comes in and then Sean's like, Oh hey Rhonda So maybe mm. it would have played out a bit like that and then they they felt actually it does make sense because Ron, I think I'm sure I read that Jenny's concern was it was a sexist skit. So that might play into it. Uh, maybe but you, but you think like, you know, Sean would get aced out somehow since he's the heel and and anyone would be comedic, you don't want to embarrass either woman there. Mm, possible. Possible. We'll never know. We may never know unless I've, until we get Jenny Garth's uh, kayfabe commentaries. You shoot me find out the truth. Well, I'm I'm excited when Jenny Garth launches her wrestling podcast, which is no doubt around the corner. So, Jenny, we have a thing called the Dick Bag here. Which wrestlers do you think should never? <laughs> Sean Oliver, get on that, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> nice four-minute video of her entire wrestling career. Sounds good. So, Raw, April 11, 1994. We're in Utica, New York, in this nice mid-sized venue here, which looks which looks fairly full, even if it is pa- possibly papered. We start off with the Bushwhackers. I know at this point that I should have fled. <laughs> the new generation! Yay, matey! <laughs> Aye, we're almost 50, eh? <laughs> for, for some reason, we have Max Moon's theme music playing a, as, a, as a sound bed. As a campaign for why they should have the, the shot against Jacques and PCO. The man on the mission speaks. Then the smoking guns speak. And my goodness, Billy Gunn as a happy and friendly sounding cowboy just isn't right. No, it doesn't feel right, does it? No, he, he he's way too gee golly gosh happy to be here, Billy Gunn. Do you know what they should have had for music for underneath this? That music Ass from man. Saturday night's main event. <laughs> yeah, that'd have been hot. I'd have been down with that. That was one of the best songs ever. I like this though. I I genuinely, I was always a fan of the the idea, the concept of Taboo Tuesday, like the idea mm-hmm. that hey, you book the matches, you tell us what you want. I mean, it was always shonky, but I was always a fan of the concept. And uh, and and so the idea of call now to see who gets a tag title match, I'm alright with that. I don't know about the contenders, but I'm certainly alright with the concept. Well, I mean, it's. It was good for a concept, but admittedly, Taboo Tuesday kind of did run its course when they were like really limiting the options. What scantily clad outfit should the Divas wear? Oh. That's a little uh... aerobics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them are like, which identity should Mick Foley dress as when he squashes Carlito later? <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> what song should play when they do the roll-up finish? A, Eye of the Tiger. B. It's just like, rather than choosing who you want in each match, you're kind of limited anyway. It's like restrained freedom. But I get it, though. It's still kind of fun. I liked it. I liked it. So, 
So we start out with the nice neon light show. Apparently, we're here to see Kenny Loggins. <laughs> I would be fine if Kenny Loggins turned up at this light show. This looked great. Like the big lights buzzing around the stadium, a packed auditorium in Utica, which is not an Albany expression. Like, I, <laughs> I, I loved this setup for Raw. Do you think Vince would get the steamed hams bit? Oh, I could, I could see and hear in my mind's eye, Savage and and uh, Vince attempting that, and Savage just fluffing it. No, not a Unica, it's an Albany expression. Well, of course, you know what I mean. Well, hey, Vince coming over <laughs> for some clammed hams later. No, it's not. Oh, it doesn't matter. Here comes the Quebecers. Slap into a steamed ham. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> John. Right, John. Uh, let's see how Sam. you are on your memes. I want Vince and uh, Macho Man doing the steamed ham skit from Simpsons. Yes. In its entirety. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Animated in HD. <laughs> and add a dragon. Boy, See, I'm learning. With a, and with a dragon. We haven't actually put a dragon in anything for a while. Stick a dragon in it. <laughs> I think for Vince to find it funny, there had to be like a midget and uh, some sort of fecal-based humor. <laughs> ah, he's short. Get it? You get it because he's short. And speaking of Vince and Savage, we have the Vince calling him the all-time great Macho Man Randy Savage again, which is uh, you know, a foot in the ass out the door roughly. A handy reminder that he is old. It's like, I'm going to be a world champion in five years. Where are you going to be at? <laughs> they call this uh, tag team deal the interactive television at its best. Well, it is, isn't it, surely? Well, you have to call a 900 number, so you're, wasting, so you're wasting your own money to say, <laughs> uh, yeah, who's the least crappy team? Uh, I, I guess the guns. <laughs> Yeah, which team sucks the least out of these three? <laughs> we we have a nice microcosm moment here when Savage volunteers to be in the match and Vince won't let him wrestle. Oh, I know. So <laughs> annoying. In a book they call this foreshadowing. <laughs> this would be the moment in the Vince Savage documentary where they have the image of that and then it fades to black and white and the sad piano music starts. Or the ominous piano music. Savage didn't wrestle that night. Or the next night. Or the next night. Slowly dropping into black and white. He began to wonder if Vince even wanted him around anymore. Sure, he was great for sponsorship events and and meet and greets. But he was 41 years old. And in Vince's mind, that made him old and toothless. (laughs) Savage watching the sidelines as Nikolai Volkov got more TV time than he did. <laughs> Randy couldn't bear it anymore. He knew he had to get younger, so he got some minoxidil and a facelift and even an orange peel. He tried to pass himself off as a wacky new luchador named El Randio, but Vince saw through this facade, and it only got worse from there. Anyway. Please tell me you wrote that or that's off the top of your head. That's off the top of my head. You're a hero. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do that more. My, my faux Rod Sterling voice. 
I like it. You should do that more often. I'd like a podcast where you do that, please. <laughs> you have too many podcasts as it is. Oh, no, you're doing this on your own. I ain't helping you. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody messaged me this week saying, me and you, we need to do a show together. I was like, no, no more. I'm full. My, my, I'm full to capacity. You're Conrad Tom Campbell. <laughs> it's at this point in the Cold Night Classic Raw review where I say, Justin, how's your penis, mate? Do you feel like you don't? <laughs> the old chap don't spark up like he used to. Get some blue chew or or a briefcase. Anyway, so back to '94. While the blue chew did improve my situation, <laughs> I, I began to wonder if I was addicted. I could do Comrade Tom Campbell. I brought my inadequacies up to a higher level, but at the same time, my ego was insatiable. Anyway. I should point out here that the I should point out here that the ring card girl looks like Alexa Bliss with 80s mall hair. She did, didn't she? Like the same face as Alexa and everything. Maybe, Maybe it's her mom. mom. No, actually, I've, I've seen Alexa's mom and she's been at the Hall of Fame with her. You you think it was her sister? Wow. She's like she's ageless. Wesley Blake, you lucky boy. Oh no, Buddy Murphy <laughs> in it. I think they're split now, actually. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, well, you know, you know, hey, good on you while while it lasted, buddy. <laughs> um, so Diesel versus Virgil. This is what they opened the taping with. Wow. For the TV portion. Now you're thinking, this is going to be a quick squash. Virgil at this point is, uh, he's already circled the drain. Diesel's just going to beat him into oblivion, and that's going to be that, oh, no, 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 no. This is a five and a half minute match. It felt longer. It really did. Because I think f- of this five and a half minute match, ten minutes was a bear hug. <laughs> yes, it really was. This was just one long bear hug. Jesus, lads, come on. This is now. part of the. This is part of the new tour. Yoko and Luger on ice. <laughs> it was ten minute bear hug, and then thirty seconds of Virgil coming back from underneath. Virgil knocking down Diesel. Well, well, hang on one thing at a time. Here we got to – I should point out here that both commentators, the manager at ringside, Shawn Michaels, and both wrestlers all have connections to the NWO. Vince, Savage, Diesel, Virgil. Sean. And Shawn. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Vince only brought them in in order to kill my creation, but still, he was at least associated with them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Sean wearing the black tank and white chaps look, which is a great look. Sean was briefly in the NWO as well, lest we forget. Yes, wearing his uh, his Kangol hat. <laughs> I think it was a Kangol hat. What do you call that thing? It's like the, it's like it's like a backwards Kangol hat almost. I only know it as a Kangol hat. It's like a flat cap, but the wrong way around. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Vince says Sean is holding Diesel back. He'd rectify that later in the year. <laughs> I actually wrote in my notes, Virgil is getting an offense, as if this is a revelation, and really it is. He He's... shouldn't be getting any offense in. This should have been the entire match. Diesel punches Virgil right in the mouth. The end. That should have been the entire match. I don't get why they felt the need to stretch that. Diesel's someone that they obviously want to push because he's seven feet tall. He's green, but he's learning quickly. He's got a great presence about him. He's got great instincts. 
He's selling for Virgil. Virgil is kicking his ass in portions of this match. There are three bear hugs. Sean is carrying this match by sarcastically clapping in Virgil's face at ringside, which the referee, referee admonishes him for. That was the one highlight of this match. Other than two consecutive commentary lines that one may have been more absurd than the other, I'll leave it up to you to decide which one is more absurd. Vince says, this crowd is behind Virgil. <laughs> and, and, and Savage, knowing he cannot be outdone, follows up with, Virgil has already surpassed my expectations. I think I think Virgil surpassing expectations was the highlight for me. Like, yeah, mate, of course he has. <laughs> this, that, that almost made me spit my drink out like the time on the AWA Team Challenge Series pilots on the network, which, by the way, if you haven't seen that, it's the greatest thing in the world, where Sergeant Slaughter in 1989 insisted he was in the best shape of his life. <laughs> I like any time after the 80s where Slaughter says he's in good form. <laughs> Actually, the heavyweight champion of, of greatest lines ever was Hacksaw Jim Duggan on Nitro in 1996. Right after the NWO form, he, he, he went some squash match. Mean Gene's interviewing him, and, he, and, and Duggan's talking about the NWO because everyone's because they were the Poochie at that point. When on screen, you must talk about them. And Hacksaw goes, Hawk, you're a great technical wrestler. <laughs> and, and even at 12 years old, I, I knew that was a killer of a line. Well, I mean, to be fair, he is the best technical wrestler in the Legion of Doom. No, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> well, oh, even so, oh, he is oh, also. Whoosh, that went over my head. I thought you said Hulk. <laughs> I, I, I said Hulk. Ah, well, in that case, Hulk's definitely a great technical wrestler. Because technically, Hulk is a wrestler. Because <laughs> technically, Hulk is a wrestler. I think, in terms of like Hulk's moveset on that subject, I think the one big regret that Hulk probably has. Not many, because, you know, he's lived a life of no regrets. Um, but he, um, <laughs> the one regret I think he might have is not transitioning to the Axe Bomber sooner in the US. Because that, yeah, but... that is a far more deadly finish in Japan than the leg drop. And if, you are, if your legs are knackered, it's an easy finish to do in a, in a match. Yes, and Hawk's got big 24-inch pythons. He'll take your head off with it. Exactly. It's a good finish. It's a strong finish, the Axe Bomber. Like, I'm scared now in case in Saudi Arabia he decides to do the leg drop and we see his legs actually fall off. <laughs> well, speaking of wrestlers who are known for making big comebacks, here comes Virgil. <laughs> Takes and, and, Diesel down. Yes, I wrote in my notes with five periods, after each, one after each word, Virgil is making a comeback. After he breaks the 17th bear hug, Savage says, and I'm quoting here, I gotta admit something. Virgil is creative. <laughs> I I would say it's probably more accurate to say creative is Virgil. Uh, That's a slow burner, that gag. Uh, yes. Drop that into the ocean. And it'll, it'll make it laugh later. Funny Nash has enough of all this and just Boots Virgil right in the motion and finish it with a jackknife. Brilliant. And a good looking and a good looking jackknife too. I'm glad they gave this to Nash and took it off Adam Bomb. I feel like this one's better. I thought it's more impressive. It is, although I mean 
I do like atom bombs and you know kneeling power bomb. I think it adds more force. But Diesel just dropping you from a great height is still pretty cool looking. And it's finally a finisher that works for Diesel. I think he's been trying a couple. Didn't he do like a back elbow as one the other week? He did that. He did like a running punch to the head because he's like a knockout artist because you're trying to do something other than Luger's forearm. Now Diesel's got a fist that's made of like cast iron or whatever. <laughs> if you watch the replay of this, Vince laughs at Virgil taking the jackknife. <laughs> Does he? I didn't spot that. This is like, like my goodness. Like he's either that or, or, or Nash was making him very turgid. I think, I think, because I think Vince is seeing that and going, money, money, money. This man will make me money. Spoiler, he didn't. But he's thinking it. He's thinking it at the moment. Beef. Oh, he's making, counter, making counterfeit money in his basement. Technically, that is making money. It's true. We go to your favorite ad. Oh. That is, honey, that is still... I'm tired. Shut me up. Shut me up on this, honey. How about some naughty time? No, I want to watch the wrestling. <laughs> I had to think about this, right, when this came on, right? Okay. The, um, the, the promo is called WWF Unbelievable. So was yes. that the point? That it was unbelievable that he'd be more interested in watching wrestling than he would be, you know, Shall I we say canoodling with his beautiful wife? No, no, I think it's more unbelievable that she would ha want anything to do with him. I guess so. It is like one of those like, surreal Skittles commercials. That, that must have been what they were aiming at. I want to know, like, like, what casting agency did they find these two in? Because to their credit, they found two very mismatched people. The ad must have said, wanted <laughs> incredibly attractive woman and man that looks like... Um, the guy from that guy from Aqua Teen Hunger Force with the mustache. What's his name? Oh, the uh, the neighbor. Yes, he looks just like him. <laughs> we need uh, a woman who is drop dead gorgeous, and a, a man. And talks like and talks like Annabella Shuria. Talks like An Annabella Shuria, and a man <laughs> that looks like Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yes. <laughs> now that's a couple right there. Oh, thing is, Carl would get a woman like that. He is, he is a a sexual dynamo. Well, I mean, who am I to doubt Carl? Yeah, exactly. Who are you to doubt Carl from Aquatine Hunger Force? <laughs> we come out of that ad break with Savage doing mind motions at Vince for some reason. Savage was a bit weird this week. Like the one thing that he said, more so than normal. Uh, one thing he said as Diesel was making his way to the ring at the start of the thing, when Vince commented about like, oh, look at the size of this guy. Savage went, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> way to bury the guy who's going to be the guy. Savage's ascent into real macho madness was expedited <laughs> by that same damn WBF unbelievable commercial. <laughs> he thought it was an insult to the fans who may have comb-overs and wear ratty white tank tops to bed. For they could be the core audience, and they should be being nicer to them. But no, they're playing the half-empty arenas. While he sits at ringside, unable to wrestle. Anyway. <laughs> this is my favorite recurring gag. I'm a big fan of this. It's Serial Savage. <laughs> yeah. so, so which of these three thoroughly mediocre teams did you choose, Tom? <laughs> I chose the Bushwhackers because I thought, you know what? One more shot, one more, one more, one more time round the uh, 
Round the mountain for the bushwhackers. I rang up and called the bushwhackers. That's yeah, true. I called in also and, and said them, but only on condition that they'd be called the sheep herders and it'd be a barbed wire match. Oh my god, could you imagine if like, they come out all happy jokey, if it is indeed them. They come out happy jokey, bushwhack into the ring, then go, by the way, mate, we're now the sheep herders. Barbed wire comes out, blood and guts everywhere. And there's just oh. kids screaming and crying in the crowd. Oh god, Johnny Ace is here and he's got a flag. <laughs> of course PCO wouldn't feel a thing no of course not of course not that man is indestructible <laughs> can you imagine shocking a barbed wire match sure been to the jailhouse don't match. encourage him don't encourage him he'd be selling like crazy do you know what ring of honor need to do now bring in the bushwhackers they need to put the they, well obviously they need to put the title on PCO yes Without question. They, if, if Ring of Honor needs to do anything now, they need to put the belt on PCO. Or, or let PCO join AEW and have him join the inner circle. No, I think, him, I think he needs to be Ring of Honor guy. I think he needs to be Ring of Honor's number one. Eh. By the way, how amazing was that segment with Cody and Jericho and, and their groups on Wednesday? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved that. And uh, Cody's line of, I can just walk through this invisible wall. <laughs> Everyone talks about the friggin' Dippin' Dots moment, and that was great, as well as, as well as the glass door punch from Cody. But to me, the best part is when Cody's beaten cowardly Jericho, and Jericho falls to the floor and grabs the guy's crutch in desperation. That part killed me. Just, just Jericho here was absolutely priceless. It was just the the absolute asshole cowardly heel. I think he was perfect. He is, I bought he is a genuinely perfect. The more you watch that segment, the more you find something else to enjoy. Like Ortiz flying him off camera after like DDP or Dustin whoever threw him. It just like keeps everything, getting better. Everything about that was amazing. So now Jerry Lawler's music hits and Vince is shocked by hit by the music. Despite the fact that the King's Court set is already inside the ring. Yeah, he kind of gets excited about something royal. Of somebody of royal extraction. What? What's this? This guy that I've employed for a year and a half? What's he doing out here? So the story here is that we, you know, Lawler comes out on the carrier throne, and there's four nameless jobbers bringing him out. But one of those nameless jobbers would be the eventual king of Europe. I oh, know. You better recognize D'Lo Brown carrying the <laughs> throne in 94. You're looking at the real deal now. Oh, get your scummy ass out on the street. Little chubby D'Lo <laughs> Brown at this point. Bill Chubby AC Connor. I know you marked out for D'Lo the minute you saw him. Mate, I lost my mind when I saw D'Lo Brown. I wish he was doing the head bob while he was carrying it, but he wasn't <laughs> quite there yet. D'Lo Brown's first heel turn was on Jerry Lawler in this segment. <laughs> but we'll get to that right after. Uh, Savage mentions, while Lawler's being carried out very slowly, that this is not as entertaining as Piper's Pits, which unfortunately is foreshadowing. Savage is burying the product this week. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, we got our tag team match. Well, I'll do it instead. Here's Diesel. whoop de doo <laughs> Savage... the King's Court. It's not as good as the old one. <laughs> Savage is speaking like a man who knows that all the good restaurants and bars in Utica close at 10 p.m. <laughs> Savage is speaking like a guy who just told all the good bars in Utica close at 10 p.m. And a guy who's just been told... <laughs> You will always be one of the all-time greats to me. <laughs> Savage is holding six gold watches right now. 
<laughs> They've been trying to tell him for a while. <laughs> the passive aggressiveness was unbearable. <laughs> the tension thicker than mud. Why was Randy still here? He asked himself as he stared into his bourbon. Anyway. So we come to the sole highlight of the show other than Delo showing up, which is when they try to set the throne down so that Lola can walk onto the apron. And Dwayne Gill, who is also in the front, weighs about 160 pounds, dips too much, and Lola takes a bump off the throne and hits the apron. Okay, that was great. Jerry Lawler has no problem making an absolute cock of himself on TV. Do you want to know a fun pros- fact? Do you want to know a fun fact, right? Oh, the, please. The two, at least two of the four throne bearers held more titles in the WWF than Jerry Lawler. That is true. Uh-huh. <laughs> D'Lo, Brown and Dwayne, D'Lo Brown and Dwayne Gill. Amazing. And to, Two men who five years later would be cornerstones of the Attitude Era. God, they really would, wouldn't they? One is part of the job squad and one in a 100 collect commercial with Steve Austin. I bet you forgot all about. I did, actually. Probably because you don't have 100 collector over in in your land, but yes. I remember the the advert. I vaguely remember the advert now you say it. Where (laughs) Steve Austin has him in a headlock going, Oh, why didn't you call me last night? (laughs) Yes, yes. Austin and D'Lo watch TV over the phone together like Ross and Chandler on or, or Chandler and um, Joey on Friends. <laughs> I, I could see that, couldn't you? Watching Jersey Shore together. I would love that. <laughs> John, I want I want Austin and D'Lo as phone buddies. Get on that. I don't care what they're watching. It could be Mr. Rogers for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> And so anyway, Law takes this great bump. The crowd is howling, laughing at him. Vince and even Savage, who I, I never hear, I've never heard laugh otherwise, are cracking up at this. I really like to think about that. Have you ever heard Randy Savage laugh before? No, this this threw me slightly. Savage is always in like savage mode, where he's always like in tight character at all times. But even he, even he's like kind of like forcibly chuckling here. I enjoyed the line where he said, I gotta get a copy from my VHS playing machine. (laughs) It's like he's he's an alien trying to imitate human behavior. (laughs) Yeah, that felt like somebody who was trying to assimilate. (laughs) It was like when a Kang and Kodos abducted Bob Dole and Bill Clinton on that one treehouse of horror. And he's trying to talk like them now. (laughs) I vaguely remember that episode. So yeah, Savage is a... But, but, but the important thing is he's enjoying Murph here. I am enjoying Murph. <laughs> so Lawler... So we're back from break and Lawler, Lawler's now working the crowd. He's got his crown pulled down over his ears because it, it's busted, which is a great visual, good subtle visual. He's doing King's Court here and he's, he, he threatens to slap all the fans who, who, who are laughing out there. So the crowd only uh, laughs even harder. He was he was so good at just winding everybody up at this point. Lawler's the master of simple things. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a pro's pro. He's been in the business for 25 years at this point. He knows what he's doing out there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of people who know what they're doing, here comes Lex Luger to be the guest on the King's Court. <laughs> Even Lex Luger's having a chuckle, which again looks like somebody trying to assimilate human behavior. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Luger, every, every time Lawler tries to interview him, Luger walks away laughing because he just can't get over what he just saw. Which, which would be good if you know the focus was solely on Jerry Lawler here. But Lex is supposed to be building this big program with Mr. Perfect. I guess they're trying to have Luger a go over on somebody so he kind of you know gets his. So he's like, well, at least I'm not, I'm not this idiot who just fell off a throne and hit his and bumped his face on the apron. I felt like considering where this promo was going, he was too lappy and chuckly uh, in the early stages. Yeah, it, it's like it was obviously not not a spontaneous fall, and and the fact that they keep egging on about it kind of like t- it took away from it the, the longer that it went on. It went like Shockmaster, where it, it was an actual f up, and and Ventura can't contain his laughter on commentary later, and it was like legitimate. Yeah. But uh. Yeah, it, it did just go on. Luger puts her over Piper's Pit and even the Brother Love Show. What a we'll random, what a random, uh, I mean, I, I get, I get Piper's Pit. Brother Love Show? You know, well, before maybe, the barbershop? Yeah, before the funeral parlor, the snake pit, the body shop, Roger's Corner. Hang on, I'll think of some more. Um, Rio's Roundup. Um, the there's peep more, show. there's more. <laughs> that came later. Ms. TV. Carla. Carlitos Cabana. Cabana. Yes. Um, highlight reel. Highlight reel. The Ambrose Asylum. Oh, God. How, don't bring that crap up. The Kevin Owens show. That's, that's right. Kevin Owens did have a show. Um, what was Edge's called? Uh, the Cutting Edge. Cutting Cutting edge, that's right, that's right. God, how many interview segments would there been? Missy's Manor. The, uh, the the idea of a talk... Heartbreak Hotel, Shawn Michaels. Just died. Oh, on. yeah, it's happening right now. To back to this, Luger cuts this decent sarcastic promo. Oh, the crowd barely reacts to it because it's just words. It's not a funny visual like Lawler falling on his face. This wasn't the time to have Luger come out here and be articulate. It, We've just no, seen... Like a... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't his worst promo. <laughs> I will say. And, no, it wasn't. It, it was. It was. It was actually very measured. But the thing was, timing. <laughs> he's never been good at that. It's like when Cesaro talks. Like the words he say are normal and logical, but he's not exciting. We we just saw action. We just saw a man fall right on his face, and, and we're kind of still collecting ourselves from that great visual. And and here's Luger speaking at. You know, five words per minute, and he's right in what he's saying, but it's not captivating at all. No, it's just, it's very mono, monosyllabic. It's very basic. It's very just drawn out. <laughs> it was much better moments later when Lawler told him to sit down. So, Lawler, so Luger, instead of sitting on the uh, guest bench, just sits in the throne instead. He got a, a big pop bit. for that, too. Yeah, it was a yeah. cute bit. Tell me how comfortable it was. And, like, like this is like Luger just having fun. And he, he's more relatable doing this stuff. You're just you know, kind of being a douche, but like a friendly douche. Like, ah, oh, come on, I'm just messing with you. And Lola getting more and more razzled because he's just been embarrassed. And now Luger's just piling on. I mean, it was fun for what it was. So now we go to the, the heart of the matter, which is Mr. Perfect in WrestleMania 10 and doing what he did to screw Luger over. And Luger gets very serious, obviously. So Lawler shows Luger the footage of what happened, just to remind everybody, although 
the people in the arena can't see this because it's Utica. But we, but we watch but watch everything Lawler points out, everything Luger did bad, including hitting Fuji. Lawler gets a great line here. He says, Fuji ain't got an enemy in the world because he's outlived all of them. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Probably because Fuji killed them all. Possibly, oh, allegedly. No. Oh, God. I had, a, I had a handful of tweets about the, the final moments of our WrestleMania 10 watch-alongs. Uh, and uh, nobody was offended, just confused. About which part? The the whole last 10 minutes. <laughs> Featuring Fuji Bants. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I don't even remember now. This is a while ago. You know what? Okay, the final 10 minutes of, of myself, yourself, and Matthew Gregg watching WrestleMania 10, where Matthew Gregg is just reeling off uh, a load of lines about Fuji. Okay. Do you not remember this? No, I I, I, I said it and forget it sometimes with these things because it's just... It's a lot of words, and the hum- I'm getting The human old. brain is fascinating. The human brain is fascinating. <laughs> I, because because I'm, I'm chatting with somebody who could probably tell me who was on most episodes of Celebrity Squares in the 80s, but cannot recall Shout a conversation him. he had with myself and Matthew Gregg <laughs> just a few weeks ago. This involves some of Fuji's ribs, potentially. It involved no, no, it involved Fuji just just coming up. I'll pl- I'll send you a link to it afterwards because I don't want to repeat it here. It's for you to discover. We're listening at home on the Cultaholic WrestleMania Ten watch along. Was this some deplorable stuff? Yes, it was terrible. We all laughed like drains. We're the worst human beings. No, we're not, we're not as bad as Fuji. Come on, yell the dolls. Oh, yeah, we're nowhere near as bad as Fuji, as you'll discover if you listen to the last ten minutes of the watch along. <laughs> Okay. Terrible people. <laughs> John, you remember, don't you? Just tweet yes. <laughs> at this point, the, at this point, of the podcast, just tweet the word yes. I'll be confused when I see that tweet on Saturday, and I'm like, is John, is John being kidnapped? And he's trying to like let us know. John, just tweet yes, and then your favorite color. <laughs> so anyway, Luger accuses Perk of being a coward. And he wants Perfect to, and I'm quoting here, put some action where his mouth is. Close. <laughs> Close. Almost nailed it. Um, almost nailed it. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, mate, you were so close. <laughs> so Vince says we could see this match, not on Raw, not at King of the Ring, but on the WrestleMania Revenge Tour. Mm. Well, Vince says maybe we could see this match. He doesn't actually. He doesn't actually confirm at this point that it's happening. You have to vote, A, Mr. Perfect, B, Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is a WWF '94 vote. So Luger versus Perfect is what people want. So this is what you do: go to the phones. Who is Lex Luger going to face on the Revenge Tour? Barry Horowitz. Is it going to be Dwayne Gill, or is it going to be Papa Shango? <laughs> I don't have to any of these guys. Shut up! But wait a minute. I thought uh, I thought Perfect was feuding with him. Vince, that's, that's why Luger was... Anyway. Well, you're gonna, I'm going to have to ask you to get right off my back on that one. Okay, then. <laughs> Says Vince McMahon. <sighs> Although, right, the WWF mm. WrestleMania Revenge Tour did actually... Uh, put on quite a card. Uh, according to the Wrestling Observer from around this time, uh, the WrestleMania Revenge Tour 
uh, was a one-month tour with loaded shows every night. $25 for ringside tickets to go and see it. Wow. And, uh, you'd also get special effects and, and uh, fireworks at these shows. Well, they were big money shows at all the locations. Uh, you had Brett versus Owen on this tour. Lex Luger versus Mr. Perfect actually happened on this tour. Uh, no, no, it didn't. No, no, it didn't. Well, according to according to at this point, it's due to happen. It's due to happen, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, well, this is what this is what Dave knows at this time. We are in this time period. We're apparently getting Luger and Perfect on the tour. Apparently, we're also apparently getting Ramon versus Diesel. Yokozuna versus mm. Earthquake, which we'll get a little sneaky preview of in a couple of weeks' time. Jeff Jarrett mm. versus Doink and Dink. Oh, Jarrett always got dealt bad hands. Tatanka versus IRS and Alundra Blaze versus Luna Vachon. What's funny is, right, um, as well as doing this podcast with yourself, sir, I'm cheating on you with Matthew Gregg, and we're doing the Coldplay Classic Smackdown review. And I understand. this past week of Smackdown... We had Jeff Jarrett being booked to look stupid and Luna Vachon challenging for the women's title. That was in 1999. So it's good to be back in 1994 where Jeff Jarrett's being booked to look stupid and Luna Vachon is challenging for the women's title. More things change, the more they, well, you get it. Absolutely more. I mean, thank God things are different in 2019 where we have Dolph Ziggler challenging Kofi Kingston for title belts, which... Certainly did not happen 10 years ago. <laughs> cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sparky Plug versus Barry Horowitz. We're finding the Yay, second match of the show. Back. Yay, wrestling. <laughs> so we we get our first topical news reference of the show, and boy, is it a doozy. Because Randy Savage thinks Undertaker is looking for the guy who assaulted Barney in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah, that was an odd line. <laughs> I, I hit pause and went for a walk after that. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't give up when Undertake when when Savage said that Undertaker. He said, "Me and Undertaker were very alike. We both have our eggs over easy." You know how I don't drink or smoke. <laughs> Did you start both? I was thinking about it. <laughs> I haven't drank for 26 days at this point. I'm. I was. Uh, I was ready to to break that when I heard that line. <laughs> Well, all seriousness, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I am getting rat-arsed next Friday. 
Back I've on the horse. coming up from down south. And we are meeting at the train station at 11 a.m. And we are saying goodbye 11 a.m. the next day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have goals and plans. Oh, absolutely. What I will do is give them a cheap plug here because... Uh, they're coming up. They're my friends Tim and Simon. It's completely unwrestling related. They're my good friends Tim and Simon. They're based in Shropshire in the UK. They do a podcast called Catalog, in which they are. You don't have you don't have catalog stores in the US, do you, Justin? Catalog stores. Yeah. So over in the UK, there is a there is an institution called Argos, and with Argos, you go in and you in, instead of instead of having stuff on the shelves, you have podiums with catalogs on. So you go through the catalogue and you find the stuff you want. You get a little piece of paper and you write down the code of the thing that you want. You hand it into the desk. They go into this warehouse that's the size of a small country and they find your item. That is an Argos store. They're, they are an institution in the UK. Well, I mean, I mean, we have stores where you can order stuff off a kiosk at the front of the store and, and they ship it to you. Oh, no, with this one, you get it in store. So I you see. go to the front desk and they go into this warehouse that is the size of a small country and bring it back to you uh so argos is an institution so but what they've done is they're doing a podcast called Ta- called catalog where they've got like an issue of the argos catalog from the mid 90s mid to late 90s similar to our era and they're going through it page by page and just enjoying and discussing everything on every page of the argos catalog and they've invited me to be on an episode so they're coming up to newcastle upon time to record an episode with them, which I'm very excited about, and then we're going to get rat assed. <laughs> so you're going to chronologically critique like like cartridge video games and stuff. Chronologically, I believe by the time it gets to me, we might be on to um, golf, uh, <laughs> go- golfing paraphernalia. <laughs> All right. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for those 97 teas. <laughs> Are we drinking yet, lads? Uh, <laughs> uh, look, up the, look up the podcast. It's just called Catalog. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, go and have fun with that and have a lovely time. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so with that in mind, um, I, was, I haven't been drinking. I was ready to start drinking again when Savage just went off on one at this point. It's... it's, it's um... You have no idea how hard this stuff is to sit through sometimes, people. Uh, we, do you know what? We deserve medals. My my dad deserves a medal for taking me to see SummerSlam 90 when I was six years old because he does not like wrestling at all. Oh, and he sat through that. I think he, I think he had a decent time for a non-fan because he was happy to see me and my brother happy. Oh. And our, the, I remember for years after the fact, he just commented, like, I can't believe how many adults thought it was all real. Like, how did referee not see that? And my dad just, like... These people drove here. <laughs> These people <laughs> drove here. <laughs> they have licenses. Did your dad not suspend his disbelief for a single second? My dad is a very serious but jovial man. But he, he can be a little bit uh, literal sometimes. I know my dad would say, my my mum and dad, when I've, I've told them a few times if I've got involved in a wrestling match. Uh, they, they don't like it. They don't like the thought of it. Because my dad said, like, if I was there and I saw somebody trying to attack you, I'd have to go and hit them. <laughs> my dad's like a blue-collar Lance Storm. Ah, uh, that, that explains it. If, if Lance did not like wrestling one bit. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, we have Sparky versus Barry Horowitz. And this is a good little match here because it's Sparky versus Barry Horowitz. How could it not be? Yeah, solid. This was solid. It's just a shame it was uh, 
background for for Kurt Hannig calling into the show. I, and I believe this is his last appearance for a long time. Oh, as I was wondering whether this is the last time we hear his voice. Because apparently uh, he's supposed, he was supposed to feel with Luger on the house show circuit and possibly be a regular again, but he was his back issues flared up again and he ended up not being used. So he had to bow out. But he, he goes on again about the whole spiel. Like, like I tried to be a biased official, use his bias wrong again. Which I don't, I don't know if, that's a, if it's just like an actual tick of his that Vince picks up on and tries to cover for if it's by design. Yeah. But there is a funny moment in this match. As Harwood sends Sparky into the opposite corner, goes to charge in, Sparky p- p- puts the boot up. But Harwood stops and, and points to his head like, aha, see, I'm smart. And then he charges and gets booted in the face anyway. <laughs> that is wonderful heel nonsense that I adore in wrestling. <laughs> Horowitz, Horowitz gets it. Like, there's a yes, few bits of this match like that, like I've put here, like where he taps his head and goes, I am smart, immediately isn't smart. Yes, I, and then Bob, I, he gets it. And then Bob Holly immediately beats his ass. I'm so excited for us to get to the bit where Barry Horowitz has like a, his time in the sun. It's going to be about a year and two months, roughly. I can't wait. I'm excited to see Horowitz get his moment. And, and I can't wait either because it, because it means we'll be getting through a lot of this stuff in the interim. <laughs> yeah, well, it means we'll be deep into the lean years by this point. Yeah, so at, at this point, we're just hitting like like sedimentary rock. <laughs> just getting dragged along at the bottom. <laughs> so Holly finished with the flying knee drop. Perfect hangs up on the phone at this point because he he's mad he missed a really good squash match just to talk to Vincent Savage. Doesn't it just go too long, this call? Because I'm sure I remember Perfect saying, and I'll tell you something, oh, no, we've got to go because the match is finished. <laughs> they never quite uh, get the timings of these right. See, he should have called during Diesel and Mabel. He goes spoken for a while. <laughs> I, love the, the I love the fact that they do stuff like this. I love that they're doing like, the phone into the commentary table thing. I really like that. It gives it that live, cannot miss feel. It always just seems to go a bit wayward. Wait until Orange Cassidy calls in during Dynamite. <laughs> now that, that's going to be worth living for. It has Excalibur interpret. <laughs> After the match, Holly pulls the straps down. So, so Kurt Angle stole that spot from him. I, was, I wrote this down. Angle's been watching Holly tapes. Wouldn't you? Very. I actually, I would, to be fair. Hmm. Learned a lot from Holly. That run, that fly knee drop. So we go backstage, and there's two men dressed like ushers who are counting the votes from the phone line. <laughs> this, this was just brilliant. Because this is a, a worldwide company with a national hotline final moments bit. And... Like you, you could you you don't need to do a lot to make things like this look big. You just have like a lot of people with a phalanx of telephones. But no, 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 not WWF. It's two blokes with two red phones, and they've written down about five words on a piece of paper. One of whom may have been Rick so Schroeder. Small time. <laughs> They're sitting back like in, like in this abandoned classroom while Johnny Polo and the Quebecers yell at them. <laughs> they're like teenagers who were just here for years like interns or whatever they have some, they have some columns set up they're doing the old math when it was real math and 
And then they showed the six baby faces here that they could possibly face. That's when I realized, God, the bushwhackers are short. They really are, aren't they? They were. They are, initially, I thought, are they short or far away? They were just short. It was like Luke stunt and Butch stunt. <laughs> so, since so Quebecers versus, well, we don't know. They walk out first. Raven's got a bandaid over his eyebrow, looking like the one is between rounds. Fighters from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Oh, good shout! Yeah. <laughs> Turns out monster. At this point, why is that there? Turns out Monsoon threw a baseball at his face on All-American. Ah, right, with you. <laughs> yeah, of course he has. Yes, apparently Monsoon is Bob Gibson from the St. Louis Cardinals back in the 60s. Brilliant. Brushing what, back a batter. What a boy. Seven. So, it turns out the opponents are going to be men on a mission. I like the long pause they gave this. And then the reveal. Crowd liked it. I mean, I, I didn't think they needed it. But... Although I'll give it to Oscar, he immediately told the story of why this match was important. Literally, the moment WrestleMania 10, we beat you, we had you beat. This time we're gonna take your belts. Like there we go. Yeah, you see, uh, Vince wants people who tell stories. That's why he hired Oscar. That's exactly why he hired Oscar. Precisely why. We're gonna get our win back from Sheffield. No, he didn't say that. Sadly. Actually, he did. He mentioned Sheffield on the promo. Did he? Yes. I don't remember this. I, I, I heard Vince mention <laughs> the, the belt swapping in Europe. I didn't remember hearing Sheffield mentioned. He didn't mention Sheffield by name. Excellent. I'm that, <laughs> I apologize. I'm proud that Sheffield got a mention on a, a, a national TV show. <laughs> and the match was a minute short because Savage and Crush went long. <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell did you have Yoko book the work? 42 minutes. He's a big man. He needs to catch his breath. Yeah. <laughs> I will say if the crowd is playing along on the whoop, there it is part. Oh, there. Do you know what the crowd in general are into men on a mission? They are lively. They bring something to the table. They've been kind of written off as being like this terrible WrestleCraft act. I thought they were fine. I mean, Oscar wasn't the best rapper in the world, but they were I trying agree. something differently. They, they were as an act. They were fine. There was there was worse tag teams. And the crowd always got up for it when Mabel was about to squash somebody. Yeah, when when he climbed that top rope, when he all the set all the Brett rope, the dangerous rope. Yeah, Mabel, Mabel had some upside, but it just wasn't fully realized, unfortunately. So, match begins. Polo gets knocked off the apron. Apparently, it's comic heels get knocked off the apron night. It's my favorite night of the year. Savage and Vince start discussing Michael Jordan, who at this point had had retired from basketball and was now playing minor league baseball. Which you know what's really funny is that I thought that the whole I'm playing baseball thing was just some shtick for the Space Jam movie. Well, I never there's thought, a... I never knew, because we didn't get much Michael Jordan coverage in the UK. I never mm -hmm. thought it actually happened. Well, there's a possible reason for it. When Jordan retired in the fall of 93, it was sudden. It was like a month before the season started. It came out of nowhere. His father had been, his father was murdered that summer by two men, one of whom was wearing a Michael Jordan t-shirt when he did it and didn't know who he was. Oh. And, and actually a very, uh, very sad uh, and disturbing irony there. But so people, so people thought when Jordan retired, he says he had nothing left to prove. He just won the last three championships. And he thought maybe this, you know, his grief over his father's death may have something to do with it. He was 30 years old. He's on top of the world. 
But he came back a year and a half later, and there's a conspiracy theory that the reason why he left basketball and played baseball for a little bit was a quiet suspension for his involvement in gambling. Oh. And the baseball is just a way to stay in shape while he wrote it out. Because you can't have Michael Jordan going down in a scandal because he's your money. He's Michael. He's he's the biggest athlete in the world right now. God. That's a bit I mean, controversial. Well, Jordan's uh, Jordan's kind of a known gambler. And and, 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 and he's just like, like, so what? He gambles. Who the hell cares? But so back then they were kind of – because, I mean, he, he's Mr. Nike, Mr. Gatorade, Mr. Ballpark Frank's Hot Dogs. He's in everything. Air Jordan, you know, you, you got to protect him. So it's like, all right, Michael, just take like a year and a half off and we'll just, this whole thing will blow over and you come back and you start kicking ass again. And he did. He came back and destroyed everybody once more. Jeez. Well, that's interesting. I mean, it's only a conspiracy theory. I don't know. I don't know what degree of truth there could be to it. But I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if it was true. And I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. Like, he got me into basketball when I was a kid. As he did a lot of other kids out there. Well, there you go. That's a fun factoid. So you got Savage and Vince here talking about how Michael Jordan's watching, and Vince says, just like everybody else in the country. <laughs> I mean, the figures aren't that bad, but it's still a comical thought. If he said it today, it'd be even funnier. Exactly. Although I should point out here, there, there's no somewhere in the Observer that discusses, you know, you know, actually how great the ratings were in recent times. In all fairness, even even up against good TV competition, so maybe uh, maybe Vince was just showing his pride at that point. I mean, granted, not everybody in the country was watching, but they were doing fine. A good amount of people were, and they should be chuffed with that. <laughs> they wouldn't say that today, though, with any any sort of honesty or integrity. No, not at all. <laughs> You know, in this week's Observer, Dave actually pointed out that AEW in the New York market is beating Raw in, like, the 18 to 49 demo. I never knew it was winning in New York. That's uh, that's a thing. <laughs> that's um, – I know the overall audience are falling for this show after premiere week, but that's a feather in the cap for AEW. Chris Jericho made a, a really interesting point on a, the, the Wrestling Daft podcast. Uh, this yeah. it launched this week with Grado. And uh, mm -hmm. Jericho said that he believes Vince McMahon has played a masterstroke by putting AEW up against NXT because then it keeps the conversation away from AEW versus Raw slash SmackDown. It keeps AEW mentally in a minor league by being up against NXT. Well, that's possibly the case because people do compare the rings for both AEW and NXT since they're on the same night. Mm-hmm. But I will say in some of those key demos, AEW is not too far off of what Raw is. Yeah, I mean, like, the fact that they were hitting a million and, and an average episode of Raw hits around about, how many, what, two? Yeah, about 2.2, 2.3 on average these days. Not a massive, not a massive gap, lads. Not a but massive gap. But it's the demographics, and where Raw does kill AEW is in people over 50. But that's not what advertisers look for. No. I didn't realize until you tweeted it out the other week, there was only like a million difference between Raw and SmackDown. And it's it's going to be different this week. We're recording here with a SmackDown being on FS1 due to the World Series. Raw's going to beat it this week. That's. <laughs> and one show has a fraction of the perceived value of the other one given the TV contracts. 
my days. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> Fox may have just bought a doorstop for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it, it better be the it better be the nicest goddamn doorstop in the world then. It better be. It better have all the flashy bits on. It better stop the door really well. <laughs> all the fringes, everything we need. <laughs> so back to this match, which is not a great match, but it's not a terrible match either. It's not a good guy. It's not a bad guy. It's the guy. <laughs> it really does just feel like a standard match there's nothing about this that... the crowd are into it the crowd are cheering for uh for mo there's a big chant of let's go mo when he's in one of the one of the the uh the headlocks oh yeah and, and oscar's milking it too by slapping the apron let's go mo let's go mo so this is actually a decent little tv match i mean for a 900 number where you're getting kids to call in and vote for you know which litter box smells the least bad <laughs> then you're just uh is it really worth that phone call it's true maybe hits a rock bottom on Jacques at one point or it might appear i can't remember i watched this 18 hours ago <laughs> it's been a long time since then i know so much has happened in the world <laughs> vince awkwardly works in a jim baker reference oh, he, he he... Say? oh he's getting out of jail in five months i guess <laughs> I really want that to be the reference. Oh, I guess he's coming out of jail. What a maneuver! That's what it was. That part I remember because I'm just like, what an odd thing to say. Vince apologizes twice during his match for commercials. These days it's just, raw rolls on, all seamless. Like, like we knew he was going to hit a plancha at that point and then run back in the ring while the heel sells on the floor. When he come back, someone's going to be in the chin lock. Wait and see. Roll, rolls I, on. I quite like how in America they have it now. So um, when AEW sometimes goes to a break, you've got picture in picture. So you mm -hmm. can see like the action slow down whilst it's in a break. <laughs> or whether Jericho is putting his ticket on his forehead because he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> or there's that. <laughs> that's, that's warranting in any match as far as I'm concerned. Now, I got to say there's a moment in this match where Mo hits one of the coolest moves I've ever seen in my life, and it's a counter. Pierre's got his neck on the middle rope. He's going to do the running, jumping butt guillotine spot. That's a standard of uh, a lot of attacks. As Pierre jumps to Mo, Mo rises up a little bit and undercuts Pierre and calls him to backdrop over to the floor. That was awesome. Nice. That was. I've never... That's the that's the only good move that Mo ever busted out. So let's enjoy it. Actually. Actually, not long after this, Mo gets written out of TV after Owen Hart injures him in a squash match. And Mo is like Ricky Morton in terms of selling during this match. We won't get to see because it it's, it's on Wrestling Challenge, but oh, Mo was actually Mo was quite an underrated little workhorse there. He never got enough credit, I think. It's a lot better than people give him credit for. But um, anyway, Mabel gets the hot tag. Vince takes time here to point out that Savage makes $7 million a year, referencing Ted Koppel's TV contract, which Savage vehemently denies, I do not make $7 million a year. <laughs> said, with, said with a bit of uh, annoyance, I should point out. He's the anti-Seth Rollins. He's playing down how much money he makes <laughs> a year. <laughs> Savage is speaking like he's going to testify for the prosecution. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about! <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> you made seven million. Shut up, Vince. I declared four. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, 
we get some spots here where they where they take turns trying to roll their partner onto the other guy during pinfalls and cradles. It's a oh, funny I like spot. That. He, was, he spun his leg round to change the change the shape of the pin. That was good. I like it when that happens. That's a fun little spot. <laughs> Mo had the power to roll a, a Mabel Pierre pile over. That's about eight hundred pounds. Apparently, Mo's as strong as Braun Strowman. <laughs> Braun Moman. John. <laughs> John. Braun Moman. <laughs> the monster among mid carters. <laughs> I like Mo. I'm starting. I start like Mo even more now, actually. We're just watching these matches. Yeah, you're sort of selling me on him a little bit, actually. Yeah. There was a big near fall off of that, but Pierre just barely got the sharp, and the crowd was like just disgusted that that wasn't the pin. I thought that was the that that was the pin because even the crowd chanted three, and I was like, oh wow, that's it! I didn't realize they won the belt. Oh wait, they haven't. Maybe this match wasn't as blasé as I thought it was. Now that I'm describing the, it, know, it was, but the last few minutes were pretty hot. Oh yeah. Then we get a spot where Mo charges. Goes flying over the ropes, lands on his feet, sort of, and slightly askew, falls and hits his head on the guardrail. I laughed at first before he hits head on the rail, and I'm like, oh, God. I mean, he, he bashed his friggin' head. Turned out to be fine, though, so it's okay. Mabel's beating up Raven on the other side of the ring. The Quebecers finish off Mo with the tower like Quebec. Quebecers retain. Yeah, from Nelson Fraser was too busy attacking Johnny Polo outside the ring. Missed the, missed the finish. Well, because he, he saw the future and saw what Raven was going to do to uh, Kimona and Beulah and all them. And Well, Mabel's a lover of women, so he can't abide by that. <laughs> oh, wow. That is crossing so many wonderful gimmicks. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> yes, Mabel's like Quantum Leap. <laughs> John, I want Mabel. Christ, to... imagine Sam jumping into that body. <laughs> I want, I want Mabel. As, I want Scott Bakula as Mabel. John, Scott Bakula as Mabel. Off we go. Sc Scott Viscera. <laughs> so next week we have Lord Alfred Hayes informing us that it's going to be Bret Hart versus Quang. I like it when Vince told uh, Lord Alfred Hayes to do a serious voice. <laughs> In his serious diction. Bret Hart will face anyone in the World Wrestling Federation. Quang, the martial <laughs> arts master. <laughs> Here he is, punching some wood. <laughs> Which is a pox gimmick now. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he hit Adam Page in the wood. Are you excited for Hart versus Quang? I'm excited for Bret versus anyone, and I like, I like Savio, so hey. Bret versus Quang. I'm, I'll watch that match. Oh, let's let's do it. Let's do Quang. We show the White House Easter celebration with the Easter egg roll, and I realize that as I see Bill Clinton and a much younger looking Hillary, this is four presidents ago. Isn't that alarming? Shows you how long back in time this was. This is Bill Clinton's first term. We still had his second term. We had eight years of George W., eight years of Obama. Now we're in term one, possibly of two for Trump. Oh, this is this this is, this is 26, 25, 26 years ago. Where does time go? Like, it's terrifying, mate. I remember watching George Bush Senior's inauguration when I was in preschool, sitting in class. <laughs> oh, I remember. Old. I remember that. I was born when you were born during Ronald Reagan's first term. Ronald Reagan's been dead for fifteen years. <laughs> Mate, we're old. We are very, very old. 
And as well as my brother, he was born when Jimmy Carter was still president. Oh, God bless him. Take him some food round immediately. <laughs> Point is, we old. We old. IRS hits the ring for a tax reminder because tax day in the U.S. was four days after this. So make sure you got your forms filled out, filled out correctly, and send in on time. Postmarked Rem by the 15th. Remember, Erwin, I, I only earned four million. <laughs> My hats are business expenses. <laughs> I need them for work. But Smash keeps stealing them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm late on my hat payments. Savage claims. Savage sees IRS coming out. And Savage is like, see what? Look what you've done now, Vince. With your big Randy, mouth. Randy tried to claim hardship. But Bray Wyatt's father was having none of it. This only added to the mounting struggles of Randy Savage at this point. With so much on his plate, he was finding there was not enough to eat. Something had to be done. He couldn't live on Slim Jims and pity alone. There had to be another way. So yes, anyway, Iris Gun goes on about. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite recurring joke. Iris says the following sentence. <laughs> he says this to Tatanka, who is apparently in absentia somewhere. Maybe he was at the White House Easter egg roll with Doink and Dink. Who knows? He wasn't seen on camera. Iris says, I know you haven't paid the gift tax on that stinking headdress. <laughs> That's a perfectly good reason to feud. I'm willing to bet that during the first 35 or so years of Mike Rotunda's life, when he was, an, uh, when he was a collegiate wrestler at Syracuse, when he was Captain Mike Rotunda in WCW, when he, first, when he first met Barry Windham, all these moments during his life... He never thought he would ever utter those words in that sequence. <laughs> it was a nice surprise for him and for all of us, too. When he watches his son dress as a wacky murder clown on TV, getting hit, getting bopped in the head with a sledgehammer, he's pretty, he probably thinking, like, you know, this is weird, but it's not as weird as the time that I feed it with a, a Native American wrestler over a headdress and an unpaid gift tax. That was a weirder time for me. When he watches his other kid make an entrance to happy trombone music and a cheerleader chant of B-team, B-team, go, go, go. He's probably thinking, yeah, this is bad, but not as bad as the time. Thanksgiving round that table must be good fun. I mean, they're married into the Wyndham family also, so there's also Barry. There's well, Blackjack's no longer with us, unfortunately, but Blackjack could tell some stories like the time he got stabbed at Boston Garden. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, by a crazed fan because he was wrestling Pedro Morales that night for the title, 1971. <laughs> of a family of tough guys, Blackjack was the toughest. Blackjack was a scary man. Even getting stabbed wasn't going to stop him. No. And even then, Iris probably thinking, yeah, that's a nasty wound. But the wound on my soul when I had to do a feud over a headdress and an unpaid gift tax. <laughs> Not to diminish an actual stabbing. No, this is merely in jest. No, I know. We know. We know. <laughs> but the point is, this is a bizarre storyline. It's like, it's like, it's like, what sort of, what sort of conflict could a tax collector and a Native American wrestler possibly have? I got it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if you had to write that, you've done a great job in sort of combining the two elements. <laughs> 
this is why this is why people drink. Not me, not you this month, but this is why people drink. So we hype up next week's show. It's just Brett versus Quang, and hey, here's Lawler falling down again. Now this is the thing, right? This final bit with Lawler, they've got him backstage. They cut to him sat down backstage. He is mic'd up. Yes. So obviously something's about to happen. Raw goes off the air, and and and, and they as they are playing the clip of him falling off his throne from earlier in the night. But before that, he starts talking, and they just turn his mic down. What was this meant to be? What was meant to happen here? Just meant they'll just laugh at him. Like, here's a big interview. Just camera going to show the footage. Ha, ha, ha. Watch it. Was that all it was? We just go, hey, what's up? You're not really. Here's you falling over again. Yes. So, in that sense, it was okay, but it it was kind of a bizarre finish. It was a weird way to finish Raw. It was still a funny moment, though. Raw was sort of like a champ. (laughs) So, that was the show, and it was a very unusual show. Very, very unusual show. It was very much the start of a new taping set. I think it was built around this tag title mystery uh, and the Jerry Lawler segment with Luger. So there's there's stuff ticking over here. We've got a a live tour that we're building to as well. So it was a very there episode of Raw. Yeah, and usually the first show of a taping is usually the strongest one because that's when the crowd's at the hottest. You put the title match or the big grudge match on there and this just kind of had like it felt flat yeah the crowd wasn't flat but the show was flat well so we'll, well we'll see what they they pull from the rest of this taping over the next couple of weeks oh they'll pull some stuff oh i we'll get little, to it. a little cheeky hint uh let's just say somebody shows up next week that we thought was gone oh but then we're not going to see him after that because they're pretty much going after that. But they hey, it's definitely nice... gone after that. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 see, I'm not dead yet. And then you bonk him on the head moment. Well, get ready to get bonked on the head next week when we return for another episode of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Until then, he is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Now you finish this, go and watch Adam Pacitti doing Hell in a Smell 2. He'll be several hours into this, and he could already have an octopus on his head. So good luck! (laughs) We'll see you next week. Love you, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 